It's Talking Twins and more with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast with myself, Nix, and joining me, my wonderful co-host, Naomi Dolan. Hello, how you going? Oh, Nikki, it's so good to be back with you each week. I've missed you. <laughs> I've missed I didn't realise, having the, the break that we've had, you're going to make me cry, Naomi. I'm no, very fragile like, at the moment. <laughs> well, we've been talking about this whole work-life balance and I realised that part of my balance is actually just talking to you regularly because we have a bit of a off-air debrief and then an yeah. on-air debrief um, when we're recording and, yeah, I've missed that. It's funny you say that because and I think this is such an important thing to have as a multiple parent and, as you know, I, I struggled really badly in my early years because I didn't know any other multiple parents um, because I'm isolated in regional New South Wales so I I didn't have a lot of connection and I think I bottled a lot of stuff up and I've I've had a really turbulent couple of weeks. Um, The last few weeks have been horrific and I realised just last week when we kick-started season three how desperate I was to catch up with you because you're my multiple parent. You're on my – you get it, you know. You You need that. You need that friend that just you can ring up and go, it's just different to everyone else and, yeah, you're you're that person and, yeah, I'm the same. I've missed it so much. So, yeah, that whole balance thing really made me think after recording that because that was a bit of an emotional one for me after Mm. we recorded. I was thinking, right, I really need to. So I have made a couple little changes where, you know, I'm being a bit more intentional with the kids and stuff Mm, like that and trying to um, leave my phone in my office as opposed to bringing it out with me. That's a great Um, idea. Yeah, I just found that if I leave it in the office, when I'm in the kitchen and lounge room with them and I can't see it, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. I've been just trying to do blocks of time where I just won't look at it and, you know, and it, it's hard for me because there's always like a breaking news story and I've just I've had to learn I'm, I'm, and I'm coaching myself. Does that make sense? Like coaching myself to disconnect from my phone for a period of time so I can be more present with the kids. Mm. Actually, this is a question that we will be asking our next Yes. This multi-mum has managed to turn a small idea into a million-dollar business as well as raising a set of twins. Lisa from 123 Nourish Me will join us next on Talking Twins and More. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au. We're very excited to be joined by this guest. She is the founder of 123 Nourish Me. Elisa Lattos joining us. Hello, Elisa. How are you going? Hello, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Lovely to be here. We're very excited to have you on board. And I think uh, Naomi was just saying off air a couple of ticks. Uh, there's a couple of people who are very jealous of her to be talking to you today. It's very exciting. Oh, yes. well, that's nice. That's very nice. We've just been talking about the whole work-life balance, the juggle, the raising multiples and everything and it's just for both Nikki and I recently because we both have our own businesses we both have obviously have multiples um, and obviously Nikki's partner has his own business as well so they have several hardware stores so that's a lot of juggling as well Um, and just the whole working for yourself juggling your family and everything has just really got to us recently so we were like right who else can we talk to that understands this And I was like, I know someone. So hence the reason that we wanted to get in contact and have a chat. Well, that's that's awesome. And I think, um, to be honest, I think that unless you have multiples, it's actually almost very difficult to understand 
how challenging it is. And I mean, I'm, I know you would have both had this over the years where people say, well, I've got two kids that are close and it's not, sorry, it's not the same thing. Like having two at the same time, at the same age, at the same stage, it is one of the hardest things to even explain to anybody that doesn't have them. It's so true. And Elisa, one of the things that we struggle with, I think right from the word go, is that balance. You know, one in each arm, which one do you pick up first? If it's crying, who do you feed first? And if you're trying to do that, uh, X, Y, Z. And yet along the line, you have somehow amazingly, and as we said, it's it's so inspirational, built a, a multi-million dollar business. Please tell us the background about uh, One, Two, Three, Nourish Me. How did it come about and how on earth have you done it? We are just amazed by your story. Well, first of all, I think people lie when they say um, it gets easier juggling twins of anything because I just don't think it does. I think every stage has a, a very challenging element to it. Um, but in terms of the business, um, I started the business when I left my husband. I left my husband when my twins were four. Um, so that was a massive life change for me. And I moved across the country with two four-year-olds and I basically had to create something to support um, us. So, um, yeah, the business was a very organic venture. I'm a co-founder, so I've got a business partner. We're 50-50 within the business, and she also had really young children. Um, And I think it it was a, a, you know, a a business that was born out of um, necessity because I needed to do something to um, provide for my family. And secondly, it was a very organic process because it was naturally the way I lived anyway and it was naturally what I was doing with my own kids that I started to share for free. So I think when you um, first set up a business and you're actually providing information and I was just sort of showing what I was doing with my boys um, and a public forum and, and built sort of a following organically without it being business um, and it kind of developed into a business after I'd already had quite a strong, loyal following where I've never tried to sort of sell anything to anybody but just sort of sharing the journey. And what, it's, if it's something that you're passionate about, I mean, that's for me why I set up Twinfo because I am extremely passionate about multiple birth families and helping multiple birth families. I've been helping, I've been working with multiple birth families um, in a volunteer role through my local Amber Club from, um, since I think I did my first barbecue when they were like seven weeks old or something. Um, to raise money for something that we were doing within our local club. And then that evolved into me starting up Twinfo now so I can help more families and more parents of multiples. And because it's something I'm so passionate about, sometimes um, it definitely makes it easier. Definitely makes it easier. I was very, very very fortunate in that um, we had a maternal health nurse in the area that um, were able to um, connect other parents of multiples. So we actually started a twin mothers group when uh, all of our babies were 10 weeks old. And I mean, this was so powerfully profound and supportive because, you know, nobody understands what it's like to drive to a mother's group with two babies when you're not parked close to where you need to go. And suddenly when you've got 10 other mums in the same boat, with twins that, you know, you can bring one baby in and someone's helping you from the car and someone's watching that baby while you run to get the other baby. And um, that support in early months um, is incredibly, incredibly valuable because um, you know, no one knows what they're doing, you know, in those first couple of years. And 
you're so so sleep deprived and so exhausted um, that you need any kind of community support, uh, especially with from other mums who um, understand the journey. Such a good point. You've just reminded me going back to my very first and only time I visited a mother's group and I was, um, I'm in regional New South Wales, so I didn't have the opportunity to really network with a lot of twin parents, which we've talked about this before on a podcast. And I went to my first mother's group and um, I didn't even take a blanket to sit on. Um, I vastly uh, had far too few snacks that I needed. And I felt like every mum was sitting there. I had one falling over this side and the other one rolling over there. And I thought every mum with their singletons who seemed to be perfect was judging me. And I got so scared I never went again. And I didn't have a a group of mums at all, singletons, multiples, whatever. And it was very isolating. Oh, totally. And I think mother's groups can be the loneliest place on the planet when you know, you have different different circumstances. And um, I don't know, I mean, I remember going, I remember the maternal nurse put me in a twin group and put me in a single group and I went to the single one once because actually when you've got one new baby, you actually, it's not the same thing. Uh, you, you've almost got nothing in common with, with those mothers because even sitting there with one baby, tending to one baby, is not the same as when you've got two babies who have just done a double poo. Mm. Oh, gosh, don't remind me about those. <laughs> <laughs> I still do double poos now and they're nine and a half, but thankfully they do, we have two toilets. So they do them individually. Yeah, so weird. <laughs> Why does that happen? Oh. <laughs> oh, makes me laugh. Fuzz, anyway. Fuzz forward to your journey because I have to ask this. So, so you, uh, you left your husband. You went to the other side of the country. You've got a set of four-year-old boys, am I correct? Yeah, that's right, four-year-old boys. At yep. that time. And – you, you've taken on to, to start up a, a business. Wow. Can I just say, because I, my boys are five now and holy dooly, um, they're an absolute whirlwind of, you know, the constant physical fighting and at each other. Maybe it's just my kids, um, but they're intense. Um, how did you find the time? How did you find the energy to put into building this? I know you said about passion, but physically, how did you do it? Because you're still exhausted when they're four. Yeah, it, it, look, you're right. It's very exhausting. And I think also twin boys are a whole different thing again, even to, <laughs> to other, you oh, know. I love it when people say that. <laughs> like some, sometimes I would look at my friends as twin girls and I'd be like, like, oh my gosh, they're actually sitting down drawing. What's going on here? I don't even, I don't even recognize this as child <laughs> behavior. Oh, God, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I would have to, you know, take my boys and run them almost like, like dogs that mm. needed to be run. I mean, I remember taking them to ovals and going, run, go, back and forth, you know, to get expend that energy. Um, so the answer is, is um, it was very difficult and I worked a lot at night. Mm. Um, and I also completely loved the creative process of creating a business. Um, and I'm, I was very, very passionate about teaching um, my background, you know, within health and nutrition and and I was very passionate about um, teaching other parents and educating other parents about um, whole foods. And, you know, as I say, it, it wasn't a massive stretch in that way because I was naturally making foods for my kids anyway and I would just record it and then I would share those recipes or I would share that information. So it wasn't like I was going to do a job and create a business. It was what I was naturally doing already in my life with my kids and you know, then I started to research and, and I would um, I became really, really interested in 
um, the toxic load that's going on to children and babies. So I would, you know, move from food into products and go, oh my God, what is in this bubble bath that I'm putting in my kids' bath? Wow, there's actually ingredients in there that, um, you know, can cause hormonal disruptions in babies. Like, I didn't realize that. And so I started to share the information that I was naturally interested in, in learning about for my own kids. Um, and then, you know, I developed a, a lot of, um, I guess, interest. And then people would say, well, what products do you recommend? And, and I would try and find a whole range that I would feel really, really confident in. It, and I couldn't find it. And I realized there was a gap in the market then to go, actually, I could create a product range that um, had everything that I needed for my babies, everything that I needed for my toddlers, everything that I needed for my children, but I couldn't find one range with the ingredients that I felt that I would use on my own kids. I just can't believe that you had the um, the physical capability mm. in you. I was still wrecked when my kids were sort of four or five, mm. but they still weren't sleeping through. And uh, we had a terrible sleep journey. And... Um, but there's just no way I don't think that I would have been capable of starting a business at that age. So absolutely all the credit to you because that is, that's amazing. Mm. But when you think about it, so, so our biggest selling product is a sleep product because that was the only thing that I was obsessed with at that stage and the only thing I could talk about. I was so one-dimensional because all I could bang on about at any moment was how sleep-deprived I was. And so I would be like, well, what can I do? So we developed the sleep balm and, you know, I would, I realized that actually what my children needed to settle um, was, I mean, the product itself is beautiful, but also it's the mindfulness and the connection of slowing down and connecting with each of my children in the busyness of my day. And sometimes even that act of, you know, me giving them a foot rub with the balm or, or, or whatever it was, was enough for me to feel like, you know, we talk about micro-connections with our children and I think particularly mums of multiples, we can feel so ridden with guilt all the time that we're not um, giving each of our children enough of us. Um, and so oh. I, I sort of developed this mindset to, went, to go, okay, well, it's about micro-connections. If I can sit for two or three minutes and give my full presence to each child, that's enough. That's enough. Wow, that is this is exactly yeah. what we've just been talking yeah. about, Nikki and I, because we've both been feeling exceptionally guilty. Yeah, that we're because we we both only have our twins, and we were just talking last week about how we're actually missing out on these times, and we're not going to have other. Well, I'm not having other children. I'm not going to have this opportunity to have this age gap, like this age appropriate moment again. Um, and we were talking about trying to grab those sort of two minutes here and there and uh, and spending 20 minutes with them, but then the next morning they wake up and they just see us back on the computer again. Mm. Um, yes. But that's, yes. a, that's a nice one. Um, I always do take the time to um, cuddle at night time in, in yeah. their beds um, and try and spend a bit of time, and, yeah, I do a bit of massage and, and things like that as well, just to spend that one-on-one time because they, they have separate bedrooms so I can – you know, just totally go in and that's often when they tell me things that have happened and various things. And do you know what? It's actually really normal to have a bit of grief at all stages um, of, I think, raising multiples. It's actually really normal to have a bit of grief that, that you're not able to experience that with one child. I mean, I look back at photos of the first two years. I barely remember them. I'm glad there's photos because I don't really remember ever 
sort of sitting there with one child, guilt-free, not feeling like I wasn't giving mm-hmm. something to the other one. Or, yeah. um, and you know, still now, I mean, the, the as my mine are growing, and um, you know, there's still this kind of um, innate competition between both of them that. Um, you know, you don't feel sometimes that, that you're able to give everything that you could for that life stage and that um, need for that child. And I think that I've just learned to sort of be a little bit at home with the grief that passes through the years as beautiful and special and magical as twins are. It, it's also difficult and it's a bit of a loss and grief mm. lives alongside that magic. I'm I'm so glad to hear you say that because I I think that's something that's not talked enough about. People are always like, "Oh, you're so blessed," you know, double everything, and that is so true. But I know that I've I've had moments where I sit there and think, I look at these two beautiful kids, and I think, oh, what I would have had to have just a moment, um, and not as you said, a moment without the guilt, because you cannot, you physically can't do it without the guilt. You can take one of the one of them, but you still go, oh, what's the other one doing? But to have that opportunity to have that real one-on-one time is just something that, as you said, it, it is almost a grief and I'd never thought of it that way. But yeah, it's like almost mourning just that little bit that we miss out on. We gain so much, but there is that little bit of that we miss out on and we never talk about it. Yeah, and I mean, absolutely. And I had the other thing in that I, I tried to have children for a long time. So my boys were a, the result of a very, very long fertility journey and um, you know, and then they are, it was incredible and they arrived and it was amazing and then, you know, they turned one and two and three and four and sometimes I would feel like I cannot wait to be away from them. You know, I, I love my children so much. They're so wanted and yet I've got an equal desire to be far away from them Mm. in this moment and nobody talks about that stuff nobody Mm. I remember when I would drop them off I would be crying with relief because you know the intensity of for me raising two boys and the noise level and the the overstimulation it was this pull between being so adoring and, and grateful that these little lives existed and an equal measure of being kind of repelled some days that I just I, I just have nothing to give them. You're literally making me emotional yeah. because I'm battling this at the moment. Sorry. Because that's exactly yeah. what it's like. I have these two beautiful five year olds, but the intensity is so yeah. much the constant wrestling, the constant fighting, the noise level, the boisterousness from the minute they get up and you, you want every second of it. But man, it's intense. It is so hard to handle. And exactly that, you, I drop them off at preschool because my boys are still at preschool and I do feel relief, but then I feel guilty. And it, yeah, it's just, it's, and you said, as you said, it's so not spoken about. It's not. Nikki, and you're um, making I'm, me cry now. <laughs> I, sorry. It's, it's, I think it's I think, just... I, well, Naomi and I have yeah, talked about... It's very important, to, it's important to, to be real about it because actually we all feel it. Yeah. Just because it's not spoken about. We all have elements of 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 that. And, you know, like the sugar coating that goes on in motherhood is crazy. And, you know, some days it's, it's also fair to say I don't, I don't like my children very much. You know, I love them and I have an unwavering love for them. But my God, you mm. know, the, the overstimulation of the noise and... And the, you know, having to be um, an example of 
um, measure, being measured and, you know, trying mm. not to raise my voice and then when you do, feeling so shit <laughs> about it. Like, it's just, um, you know, this is a normal... And I remember my mum said to me, and I never forgot it, she said, you don't have to be a great a great mum all the time. You can just be a good enough mum sometimes. And sometimes a good enough mum is keeping your kids alive for that day. Yeah, so true. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Naomi and I have spoken a little bit about this in previous podcasts about just how different it can be. Um, we've learned a lot about the difference between boy-girl and boy-boy as we've sort of gone through my, my kids being the younger of the set of twins. Um, some of the differences that I experienced with the two boys versus what you, Naomi, have experienced with boy-girl. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know for me that I've also put more pressure on myself now, this is no one else putting this pressure on. This is myself because, like you, Alyssa, I went through um, a, a long fertility journey and I was like, no, I wanted these babies so – well, I wanted a baby so much and now I've got two of them and this is just kind of like my cross that I have to bear kind of thing. Um, it was my – you know, I wanted them and now I've got them and so I have to cope with them and I have to – you know, I have to – be the best I can and everything like that. But it's, in one way, it, it sort of put more pressure on me. Totally. And I think this is where the grace of self comes in, where two realities can exist at the same time. You can adore and love your children um, and you can, and it doesn't make you love them less to not enjoy them some days. Like it can – and, you know, I made the decision um, – pretty early on that I was going to take any financial means I could to get help and again I felt that same thing well hang on you wanted these kids you worked you know you spent a fortune fertility wise to enable the creation of this life surely you should be able to do it all and actually what I what I realized as the years went by that I became a better mother with more time away from my kids and that was one of the best gifts I gave myself with my business because, um, you know, being a mother, and I stayed home for the first, you know, five years with them. Um, and after that, it was it was too much for me. And so during that time, I would get help. I would I remember I, I used to pay a girl to come over and do two hours a day where I where she would fold washing, where she would um, take the boys away from me take them for a walk, take them to the park. And even two hours a day actually was enough for me to survive those years. And sometimes if you've got to remortgage your house or you've got to borrow money off somebody to help you not um, not have to endure motherhood but have more moments of enjoyment than endurement, I think it's totally a gift you can give yourself. I agree. My one of my biggest regrets is not getting a sleep consultant in, and not just paying, because yeah. I felt like I was, I was, I would have failed. But if I had got a sleep consultant in, the sleep deprivation was so hellish in this family mm. that it just I was not a nice person to be around, let alone being a good mother. Because I was, it was. I, I mean, I shouldn't have even been driving. It was that bad. Mm. Um, I should. I didn't even know, though, that there were sleep consultants out there and things like that. But that that was actually the reason behind me starting Twinfo was to have the resources that multiple birth parents need, so they know about them. Because you don't know what you don't know. 
Yeah. And you can you can see why you can see why relationships and marriages for twin parents are you know high rate of divorce, high rate of separation because oh, absolutely. It, becomes this, it becomes this competition between your husband and you or your partner and you that you know you got an extra hour. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know you end up bartering. Do we end up in a situation? Um, and we we've had to work through it. We acknowledged it and worked through it. But we ended up in a situation where it was almost a whose day was worse, and we were competing off each other. Like, well, I had to deal with this with my staff, and I'd be like, well, I had to deal with the boys all day, and this person had a meltdown, and he'd be like, well, and and we didn't realize we were doing it, but again. The, the intense sleep deprivation was driving it because he's getting up, going to work, managing businesses, and I was, um, you know, work. I'm working from home and dealing with the kids all day. And yeah, you, you're right. You don't sort of yeah. We ended up in a situation where we we're competing against each other. It does. It almost turns into a competition, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, and and Chris will often say to me. It's not a competition and I used to bark at him when he'd say that a couple of years ago but now I see where he was coming from that the, yeah. I was so tired and, and frustrated and overwhelmed by the – again, going back to those intensity and, and certainly three to five for me, for my boys – I have definitely put my hand up and say the first two years was almost impossible. Three to five has been just as intense and I did not anticipate that because everyone says it gets easier. I mean, my boys are so intense. I struggle so much. And, yeah, he he now has to say to me, we're doing that competition thing. Let's stop. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very, very difficult. And to be honest, I mean, I've worked in in many different industries and I don't think there is a harder job in any industry that I've worked in, which has been high pressure, you know, different careers. I remember when I was at home and the weather forecast three days of rain and the thought of that being at home with my boys for three days while my husband was at work and I couldn't leave the house, I remember thinking I'm not going to survive it. Mm. I remember feeling like that you know, when they like, got us into lockdown. It is lockdown. harder than any job you're doing for me to be in this house with those kids three days straight. Like it is, the days are so damn long. Mm. Um, and when you can't get out, it's like, and you're tired and the noise and, and you know, then they, well, they'll, they'll drop asleep and you just, you know, I mean, gosh, who hasn't been driving around for an hour trying to get them to sleep in the car? And then, I mean, it's just, <laughs> just you, oh. the stuff you used to do to give yourself 30 minutes of quiet, it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of um, remarkable, isn't it, when you look back at how and we live our lives just to cope. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Just to cope. Yeah, like you said to anybody, would you spend your, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evenings just going for a drive for 45 minutes with the hope that a colic baby might go to sleep? They'd be like, you're an idiot. But that's what you do because you've got two of them. Yeah, 100%. Gosh. And how do you now deal with work-life balance and everything like that now that you obviously have a successful business? Um, and I know you do have a, a business partner, but how do you manage that? Well, we've set up our business to support our life. So our business is all about kids and it's all about, you know, connection with kids and so um, you know, we, we employ many staff now and they're all mothers. So having um, the, I mean, I think that the mother's role is so invisible, it's so mm. unacknowledged, mm. it's so difficult to get back into the workforce, um, you know, when you've got young kids. I mean, who who can work between 9.30 and 2.30? So we decided to set up our business that we would work between those hours and we would allow our staff to do the same. So 
all of our staff drop off their kids and they all pick up their kids. So um, we all start work after drop-off, we all finish work at pick-up and we work so bloody hard in those hours that we have. Um, and I, I think that mothers are the most brilliant people to employ because we are so talented at multitasking and doing um, stuff very, very quickly and we're used to working in high-pressure environments. For if you if you want a very effective person, choose a multiple mum to come and work for you because, mm. I mean, they're brilliant. They understand demand. They understand pressure. They understand juggling. They understand multitasking. Um, and so we, you know, we employ as many um, mothers as we can and often mothers that have been out of the workforce. So, we all work between those hours and we just make it work. And you know what? If someone has an assembly, if someone needs to take their, doctor, their child to an appointment, we are very understanding of that because, um, you know, that's kind of what matters in life and that's what we set our business up as. And as a um, result of that, then our staff are incredibly hardworking, incredibly loyal. We've got very, very low staff turnover because we created a culture that supports the mother. So good. That's amazing. Mm. That's so good. I hope that, you know, there's lots of million-dollar corporations out there listening to you talk because I agree with you in mm. the fact that um, mothers are great workers because they get in, get the job done, they're efficient, they, they can multitask, and they want to get home. I mean, it'll be the same with the stay-at-home dad. You know, that, that whole multitasking and the time pressures and everything like that, it's just, it sets you up to be a good employer, employee, sorry. It, it, yeah, it does. And, you know, that, that stuff is often completely overlooked. And, and you know, we, we um, have learned that we can get as much done in four hours in the middle of the day as some people can get done in eight hours. So we have to be super organised. We have to be great communicators. We have to be, um, you know, you, if, if you actually create a culture that, that is of um, a nurturing nature and you embody that towards other people, they embody that back towards you and you can create incredible results. So, I don't know, I think it's a very modern way of thinking. I think it's, um, I think it's the way forward for business and I think that sometimes doing eight-hour work days um, is, is a bit of a thing of the past when mm. we can actually learn to do it differently. So, it's about being adaptable and making your business fit mother's lifestyle rather than mother's lifestyle having to fit into business. And I think you raise a really good point also, both of you, about um, you know the skill set that is involved in being a mother, particularly multiples, as you said, extra additional challenges that we face. But you know, so often I hear still stories of people who can't get back into the workforce because they've been out for a few years to re- rear their kids, and and you think. This is harder than any kind of job that you would would do majority of the time. You know what what you might face as a, as a mother. It's so disappointing that there's still a stigma around the fact that you know breaks or a year, two years out to you know spend some time at home with your kids causes you to de skill. It doesn't. It actually enhances your skill set, as he said. Oh, absolutely. And you know, mothers also, I think, um, come to the workplace so needing different stimulation to being at home. So they often really love their job too because um, it gives a, a great brain balance to being at home. So um, I don't know. I've always, you know, it, it, I've always been very, very supportive of mothers in the workplace. I mean, for a selfish reason, I just think that they're the most brilliant workers, and um, I think it, it provides 
us with so much as a business. Elisa, was there a point in time, because um, there might be parents, myself, I'm going through this at the moment where I'm, I'm at a bit of a critical point with my business, it's struggling and, and I just feel it's all overwhelming and I go, can I even do this? Um, was there any periods of time when you went through that and you just thought, I don't know if I can do this. How do, how do I keep going? How do I make this a successful business? Because I want it to and I want to drive to do that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. It might be a struggling time for it or the kids are really hard. Did you go through that? And do you have any advice for people that might be you know, struggling with that balance and also struggling to push forward with their dreams at the same time as managing their kids? Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And I think sometimes not doing business is the most powerful decision you can make. Um, I think sometimes we're so achievement-focused, we need to make something a success. We need actually sometimes the most powerful and and gracious decision you can make for your own mental health and your own well-being is to do less and to choose, um, you know, that timing is everything and to recognise that maybe my job right now is raising my children and what, what an incredible... So, so, like an example of this is before I sort of monetized my business, and um, I was finishing my degree, and I um, would study when my babies were pretty young, and it got to the point where I felt so stressed by the level of study that I still had to do. Um, you know, the, 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 the one of the best decisions I made was to do less. So, I think that it's great to be, you know, business focused and, and all of that. But when it's a tipping point and it's actually really impacting your mental health and the mental load is too high, I'm a big believer in doing less with that stuff. And there's been there's been weeks in my business where um, I can feel the balance tipping into the negative. And, you know, this is where Danny and I, my business partner, will give ourselves permission to go, I am... I'm, the, I'm, I'm managing too much in my brain. I'm mentally overloaded. Um, I'm going to take a week to recalibrate. And for me, recalibrating is going back to very simple things. What do I find joy in when I'm not a mother and I'm not in business? And it comes down to a list that I created for myself, which was I love coffee. I love the ocean. I love doing a walk. And for a week, I'm going to just do those very, very simple things in my day, whether it's three things that I give to myself, and that becomes the priority over anything. Because I think we can only make those decisions about business, about motherhood, when we know what brings us joy at a very basic level. So true. That's such a good message. Mm. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. Elisa, just quickly going through, uh, just touching on your twin pregnancy quickly um, and the journey for you. Was there, how, how was that for you? Can you tell us a little bit, bit about it? We always like to find out what people went through, if they faced any challenges that might help other people and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Well, I had a very unconventional um, journey to motherhood. So when I was 31, I went through a very, very big operation. I went through open heart surgery. And as a result of that surgery, I was unable to carry a pregnancy um, due to a genetic condition that I had. So my twins were born through surrogacy. I don't know if you understand or know that concept. Wow. Um, 
So we had a friend um, carry our twins for us. So um, my eggs, my husband's sperm, we created embryos through IVF. Then our embryos were tested to make sure that they didn't carry the same genetic condition that I have with my heart. Um, And then she carried the um, embryos to fruition. So um, our journey to parenthood and motherhood was, was so difficult so complex. Um, it was a 10-year journey. Um, it was so incredible, such a um, beautiful experience, um, but a very, very different experience because, um, you know, not a straightforward journey, not a not an easy journey, not an easy thing to not carry a pregnancy as well. And, you know, the grief of me not being able to do that for myself, but then the elation that I could have my own genetic children but it had to be through this path. So, I mean, the ups and downs emotionally that my husband and I both went through with that process was, was a really, really difficult um, a difficult journey. But um, our, our birth was an amazing experience. We were all in the room for the birth and our surrogate um, was just I mean, incredible. Some people are born to have babies and she is one of them. She was amazing. She delivered them vaginally with no epidural in um, just under two hours. Um, and so, I mean, you know, some people have wanted to have babies. I'm not one of them. She is. She was just incredible. And, um, yeah. And so we, yeah. That's beautiful. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. Mm. And she's still an incredible part of our lives 10 years on. And it's a very, very proud story when, you know, we talked to my boys about how they were created and that it, it took an amazing team to bring them into the world and she was just such a phenomenal part of our team and um, yeah and it's, it's a very beautiful relationship that we still have with her and um, you know my boys sometimes have questions about how they were created and, and their life and and it's brilliant we can we can call her and she can talk to them and um, you know sometimes they forget how they came into the world and they say when we were in your tummy I said no no you weren't in my tummy remember you were in Brandy's tummy and and then I show them all the albums and the photos of the time. and um, So, yeah, the, the journey was very, very different for us in terms of um, the creation of their life. And it was equally beautiful in a very different way. Wow. That's lovely that you're still um, in contact so much. We had wow. a twin dad on previously. They used um, an Indian surrogate, so they had to go over to India to to get their babies at the end of the, the whole journey. Um, yep. And, yeah, so their story was, was similar but different because um, they weren't using a known surrogate. It was um, through an agency. Yeah, and there's lots of many, many different ways to create mm. life. And um, what, what I know about surrogacy is um, I know that people that go through that journey, they go through that journey because they so desperately want children and um, and I know the obstacles firsthand more than anybody. It tests every single bone in your body. Um, and so if anyone is going through that journey, I wish them love and I wish them well because I just know how hard that journey is. Um, overseas surrogacy, local surrogacy. I mean, when I did it 10 years ago, there was a huge amount of stigma around it. Um, there was a lot of judgment around it. There was a lot of disapproval. I mean, I had hospitals during my IVF 
um, procedures who wouldn't treat me because religiously they felt that surrogacy was not aligned oh. to um, Christianity. So, I mean, I was in there mm. doing retrievals and then having teams that wouldn't, you know, wouldn't help. And it's a lot more accepted now. It's a lot more known. It's a lot more um, understood. But, you know, 10 years ago, it was quite, um, it was quite an unusual path to parenthood. Wow. Incredible. Crazy. Alisa, mm. on all levels, your, your story has been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for being so raw, so honest, so open. I think you've inspired us. There's been tears. There's been laughter. I certainly am, uh, am, am inspired, honestly inspired. You're incredible. Oh, thank you. That was such a lovely conversation, and it's really nice to visit those topics again that you, know, you sort of don't always think about day-to-day. So thank you. That was a really lovely chat. I really enjoyed it. And of course, if people want to find out more about your products, everything you're doing, where can they follow you and how can they get involved? Yeah, they can find us on our website, 123nourishme.com.au or they can find us um, on Instagram and Facebook at 123nourishme. Elisa, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. Great to speak to you both. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.